Welcome to The Nest Show, the podcast that brings you insights into the crypto market, trading and investment experiences, and what we're looking forward to as we navigate the space together. Before we get started with today's show, I want to take this opportunity to make a very special introduction. Since the inception of The Nest Show, both The Bird Nest and this podcast have operated without any sponsorships or affiliations. Today, I am proud to announce the first official sponsor of The Nest Show and the greater Nest community, Prime XPT. Prime XPT is the most powerful trading platform offering immediate access to over 30 assets. Users may trade cryptocurrencies, forex, commodities, stock indices, and much more, all from a single Bitcoin-based account. Prime XPT gives experienced traders up to 100x leverage to multiply capital while also providing users with multiple order types, low trading fees, and ultra-high liquidity to equip them with a one-of-a-kind trading experience. Registration does not require any user information, so visit the link below and start trading on Prime XPT in minutes. You'll be hearing much more about Prime XPT here and why we are so excited about the products they already offer, including a one-of-a-kind BTC and Ethereum options trading platform platform called Turbo and an upcoming co-vesting product that will give traders and investors alike an entirely unique opportunity to multiply their capital. Much more on Prime XPT to come, but in the meantime, we want to thank all of our community and Francis and the rest of the Prime XPT team for making this partnership possible. And now for the show. Since the beginning of the crypto space, the central use case of cryptocurrencies has remained hotly contested. And to this day, the greater market has awaited the arrival of the killer app to initiate crypto on the worldwide stage. What can cryptocurrencies do that traditional money can't? What's the use for crypto when banks are already integrating blockchain tech? In today's podcast, we'll look at Ferrum Network, a humble project with giant ambitions that aims to answer these questions and more, one customer at a time. I'm joined by Ian Friend, the COO of Ferrum, and we dive headlong into the current and upcoming projects on Ferrum's docket, and why so many of us are so excited for what the project brings to the table. You will not want to miss today's project-specific deep dive in this episode of The Nest Show. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the ride. What The Nest Show is, this is a podcast brought to you by the Burb Nest community, an independent crypto and forex-centered trading community built to sharpen each other in capturing opportunities in the markets while protecting capital along the way. What this is not, trading advice. We are not financial advisors, and you should not regard any information here or in the Nest Club as financial advice. You should always consult a licensed financial advisor before making any financial decisions. All right, folks, welcome to The Nest Show. And today we have a very special episode because we are highlighting one of the gems in our gem series, Ferrum Network. And we are joined today by the COO of Ferrum, Ian. Ian, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. It's our pleasure. We are so excited to to have you here. And, and as I mentioned, I uh, personally you know, have done some considerable digging on Ferrum and really excited to jump into it with you. Ferrum Network is a blockchain-based suite of technologies that up to this point has focused on the underbanked and unbanked in the emerging markets of West Africa. The citizenry of Nigeria, for example, exhibits a huge demand for banking services, remittances, investments, and access to stable currencies that many developed markets take for granted. Ferrum Network offers users the tools to remit money around the globe in seconds, gives them access to tokenized investment vehicles, and the ability to hedge local inflationary currency against the digital U.S. dollar, all where there were previously no tools to do so. With Ferrum Network, demand meets blockchain, and blockchain meets demand. Why don't we talk a little bit about how Ferrum came to be and your personal journey in the Ferrum network and how you join on with the project? 
Absolutely. So first of all, I want to thank you for that great intro. Uh, that's exactly the question we've been asking for basically two years now, is how do we drive mainstream adoption of cryptocurrency? And and it's two years later, and I don't think anyone's answered it. Ferrum hasn't answered it. I don't know if anyone has. So it's, you know, it's a long process. But uh, I'm happy to tell you a little bit more about my journey and the uh, early days of Ferrum. Uh, like I mentioned, we started this project in about two years ago in, in April of 2018. I was working as a lawyer in New York City at the time. I had gotten into crypto blockchain about a year prior as just an investor and quickly became enthralled with the technology and, and the promise of uh, blockchain to disintermedi disintermediate any number of industries, including the one I was working in. And so I teamed up with a partner at the firm I was at and we co-founded the blockchain practice team there. And uh, shortly thereafter, uh, as I was trying to uh, acquire some clients, attending you know conferences and events, I uh, attended an event in New York. It was probably around March of 2018, and sat down. And just so happened that uh, the guy who sat came and sat next to me, turned and basically introduced ourselves to each other. Turns out he had built a technology that. Uh, enabled the near instant transaction of Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, or so he claimed. <laughs> and and you know, I was immediately taken aback by this because he had essentially claimed to have solved the problems of interoperability, you know, blockchains not being able to interact with one another, and the problem of Bitcoin scalability, right? So these are two significant challenges that many teams are trying to solve, um, ultimately to try to achieve mainstream adoption, I think. And so we basically hit it off at that time. I decided, okay, I can add certain strengths like marketing and fundraising and, and of course, anything having to do with the legal. He is the tech genius. And so we uh, essentially teamed up at that time and said, you know, let's let's give this a shot. Fortunately, uh, someone else believed in us too, because about two weeks or a month later, we won a competition to pitch the project on the main stage of Consensus, which is this big conference awesome. in New York. And so we did that. And that's when things really took off and it became a real, a real project. And, and, and ultimately, we ended up quitting our, our jobs and um, been full-time Ferrum ever since. You touch on it a little bit, and I'd, I'd love to dive into it just a little more. You mentioned the chance encounter. Was there a moment or interaction that really turned it for you where you went from skeptic to, oh, this guy might really have something? Or was it more of a, a gradual uh, building of trust? That's a good question. I have to put myself back into into those shoes from two years ago. I mean, from sort of just a personal level, Naeem, who's my co-founder, this is who I'm talking about. It, when you talk to him, he's a completely genuine guy. So uh, there wasn't anything grandiose really about what he was saying. He speaks very matter-of-factly matter about what what he built um, and what, what the vision was and what he was trying to achieve. And so... I had been in the space for long enough to have met all sorts of charlatans and, and everything um, that I, I did not get any sort any of that kind of sense from him. But that being said, I mean, you know, when you're talking about this sort of technology, it does go a long way when you actually see it in action. So we actually early on, I think it was around October, we uh, decided to record some demos of the early iteration of the Ferrum wallet running on a private test net. 
And when, you know, I saw that bill, I saw how it worked. I was, you know, involved with making those demos. You know, you see the Bitcoin move from one wallet to the next, you know, and basically instantly that's, you know, that that's when you say, okay, this is, this is, this is the real deal. Um, but no, I mean, he's, you know, name's a great guy and, uh, you know, his pedigree is unbelievable, right? He's, he was working at Bloomberg as a senior engineer. He'd been at Amazon, Microsoft. So I, I mean, there was no reason for me to doubt him, but when you see the tech in action, um, you definitely have an aha moment. Absolutely. Two other kind of sidebars before we get into what Ferrum's core purpose is. When you mention your involvement in crypto pre-Ferrum there in New York City, I would love to hear a little bit more about the local climate and the local buzz there in New York, whether or not colleagues were taking it seriously or whether or not it was viewed more as a novelty at that point. Also, I would love to hear a little bit more about how you approached either seed investors or initial investors in the project before your ICO. Going back to you know early 2018, the climate in New York and, and really everywhere was completely different than what it is now. It was a practice team committee that I had to propose creating this team to. If I went today, I think I'd probably be laughed out of the room. But you got to understand then was still... Um, you know, there was still a lot of hype around blockchain and it was not lost on, um, you know, those in traditional industries, certainly not uh, among top, you know, law firms, um, many of whom had already built very lucrative practices uh, around, you know, advising blockchain projects and, you know, getting licensing and, all, and, and that sort of thing. So um, it was received relatively well, I thought. And in fact, even I think the proposal, I, I ended up writing this whole proposal as to why, you know, why should we start the blockchain practice team? And I think it got even to the hands of like the number two guy at the firm, which is it was an 800 lawyer law firm with, you know, offices all over. Um, so it was pretty, you know, it was a pretty nice achievement, I thought, to, you know, get that far. I don't think today would have happened that way. <laughs> I think today they'd be laughing mm-hmm. out of the room because, you know, the hype is pretty much gone. And, and I think people are still sort of, again, going back to that the early question you posed, okay, does this have a real use and can it benefit people or is it just um, pure speculation? Yeah, it's definitely exciting times. Um, glad I'm no longer in the world of law. I'll put it that way. So Fairm Network, uh, you guys self-describe as a blockchain-based technology for emerging markets. Uh, and you wager that you can answer you know, the, uh, the matter of the killer app. You're doing that in... Nigeria and in other underbanked and unbanked uh, markets. Uh, so I'd love to speak a little bit about, you know, kind of the emergence of that core mission and how you define uh, a fair network uh, in, in those marketplaces. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like you stated, um, one, of, one of our missions is to uh, drive adoption in emerging markets. And, you know, we think emerging markets are particularly primed for uh, actual adoption versus speculation. Well, there's a few, well, I suppose there's about there's two or three reasons. One, the traditional financial systems in um, places like West Africa are not nearly as developed as in the West. Um, so you don't have the same kind of uh, banking technology, the same kind of uh, financial instruments available to the population. There's a need there uh, for something new and different. The second reason is the the local fiat currencies 
in many places around the world, not just not just um, you know Nigeria and Ghana where we're focused, are not nearly as strong as uh, the euro or the dollar. Uh, so, oh, oh, I think a, a, there's a willingness among especially young people to experiment with new technologies if they feel it can benefit their lives. Whereas mm-hmm. I think in the West there's a lot of complacency. Um, you know, everything's relatively good. Right. If it isn't broken, don't fix it. Yeah. I mean, so in terms of actual adoption, we think emerging markets are incredibly promising. That's not to say there isn't okay. opportunities in, the, in, in traditional, in, 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 in uh, mature markets. But uh, yeah, I mean, what we're doing in Ghana and Nigeria, I think, um, uh, bear, bear out our thesis a little bit. Absolutely. And on those reasons that you just mentioned, uh, specifically for money remittance, uh, for the presentation of tokenized investment vehicles and the ability to hedge uh, from local inflationary uh, fiat in Ghana and in Nigeria thus far, what has the uh, uh, what use case has met the most demand out of those three? Right. So the app that we built first, Cootie, it has has a number of different functions. You touched on them. You have the remittance, which is essentially uh, fiat payments that are made through WhatsApp. Um, you have the uh, investment opportunities in, in Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ferrum, and we're, we're listing other um, you know, high-quality digital assets as we go. And then you have um, the, the ability to hedge, like you're saying, uh, using uh, US dollar-backed stablecoin, in, in this case, Gemini dollar. Between those three... Believe it or not, um, the interest in Bitcoin is still the highest, <laughs> which actually, which, which actually to me is 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 fantastic, um, because I think people there are looking for something different. They're looking for some degree of financial freedom. They're looking for an investment opportunity. Um, they're looking for something that's not controlled by their government, and Bitcoin represents all those things. To me, it's very heartening to see that the users are. Uh, I think most excited about the opportunity to invest in Bitcoin and and also Ethereum and Ferrum. That's not to say, you know, they, you know, that we had a nice conversation in the Cootie chat about stable coins the other day and you know their value proposition and people, okay, yeah, we understand, we understand. I think people recently, as the, the Naira has depreciated in value in the past few, you know, months since the crash, and so people move money to stable coins. So that, you know, there's there's an under, understanding and appreciation of that feature as well. But, you know, the Bitcoin, Bitcoin's still king, <laughs> which is to me is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you, you touch on first cootie, which uh, you describe as Africa's Coinbase uh, meets Venmo. I, I, I'd love to dig a little bit more into first cootie and the value proposition for users there in Ghana and Nigeria. Just to be clear, we have not yet expanded into Ghana. Uh, that mm-hmm. expansion is uh, imminent within the next weeks. Um, but yeah, as of now, we're, we're just, we've just been in Nigeria for about a year. But yeah, the primary use case is access to, you know, next generation investments. You know, a lot of mass majority of our users, and in fact, the population there, they, you know, they can't invest in stocks. Yeah, you know, they, they, they're, they're really, invest, their investment opportunities are limited. And so Bitcoin and, and other cryptocurrencies represent um, an opportunity there. 
the other value proposition is uh, remittance. So uh, you know payments, whether micro payments or mat or larger, you know, either over from overseas or within the country is another use case, and that's that's where you know that we say Coinbase Coinbase meets Venmo um, for mm-hmm. Africa. You know, we're actually rolling out a, a host of other functions. We we have a bank card connected to the app that allows you to spend cryptocurrencies. And we have a point of sale system within the app as well uh, that enable you know small business owners to essentially set up a free point of sale system so they can sort of escape the challenges and risk presented by an only cash business. Absolutely. Yeah. The ability to to do payroll on equity businesses is, is really attractive, I would imagine, for those uh, small business owners. You know, essentially allows uh, a small business owner to accept payment um, via the Cootie app just uh, on their phone. They don't need a, a fancy bank issued, uh, you know, physical point of sale system. So it's sort of democratizing that uh, uh, world a little bit as well. There's a number of different things going on in the app, but when you download it and look at it, it's it's really quite um, it's really quite clean and neat. And what you do is you just switch to um, you can switch to business with a click of a button. Similar how on on Airbnb you switch to you know host between host and guest. So there's a lot going on, but it's uh, it's a nice uh, compact app, and I, I definitely recommend uh, folks, even if they're not from Nigeria or Ghana, to uh, go ahead and download and check it out. Yeah, it, the the importance of the utility that you just mentioned, I don't feel like can be overstated, especially in these underbanked markets, specifically with Cootie Business. I just want to make sure I understand this correctly. So do you offer a an alternative kind of to traditional merchant processing that would be provided by uh, a, a Visa or, or other card servicer? Yes. So... Like I said, with the Cootie business, you effectively turn your phone into that payment processor. And, and what happens is you, if you have a customer come in, they have the Cootie app and we provide promotions and things to encourage both customers and merchants to use the app. A customer can just pay using a QR code on the app or through a phone number transaction. You know, you tie your phone, you know, the business ties its phone number to the app. And the money is transferred instantly into their cootie from, you know, the customer's cootie app, cootie wallet to the merchants. Uh, no third party processor involved, no fees involved. And so, yeah, it's, you know, it, it really does present, I think, a, uh, a major value proposition and upgrade from the existing system. But there are challenges, right? You need both sides to have the app. And so we're, we'll be rolling out mm-hmm. different marketing and promotions as we go to uh, ramp up that side of the business. And before we move on uh, from Cootie Business, uh, just curious, uh, both with uh, First Cootie and Cootie Business, what has been the major driver for adoption? Has it mainly been word of mouth? Like, for instance, I could envision a small business owner getting wise to Cootie Business and becoming really passionate and energetic about uh, the solutions that it provides to him and enthusiastically enlisting his customers to to spread the good news. Um, what, what kind of adoption trends have you seen there in Nigeria? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's been predominantly word of mouth and we've um, seen a, a pretty significant uptick recently. We brought on 
uh, a number of what we call ambassadors. And these are folks who are passionate about first coding. You could really call them early adopters. Um, and they've done a tremendous job of just inviting their friends and family to the app by you know sending them money or referring them. We have a generous referral program. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's been predominantly word of mouth, although we do have, you know, ads on Facebook and we've created commercials and, you know, we've done a host of other sort of marketing campaigns, but the truth is, you know, the word of mouth has actually, I think, been the most effective, but, you know, what, I'm really excited because we are, uh, about to upgrade the app, add some new features, that I think going to bring a lot of value to our customers. And once we do that, we're going to roll out a new marketing campaign, uh, sort of taking the the growth, the early growth we've had, and 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 leveraging those um, passionate early adopters, and and pushing forth uh, with another marketing um, in the next uh, you know month or two. Awesome, man! And speaking of new features and new projects that that you guys are rolling out, I am so excited at this point to pivot to the Unifier Wallet, where users can instantly transact any digital asset with no counterparty risk using the non-custodial Unifier wallet. Um, tell us a little bit about the, um, you know, what the Unifier wallet means to the Ferrum Network's ecosystem and why you guys are so excited about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm so pumped about, I've been using the Unifier wallet for the past three weeks or so. It's about, we're about to release it into the wild. It's been beta testing for a while, but it is just fantastic. Right so, uh, yeah, the Unifier wallet is our global uh, non-custodial wallet. Um, you can sort of think it think of it similar to Trust Wallet or other sort of, sort of a, you know, mobile-based non-custodial wallets, but with a number of advanced features all designed to drive mainstream adoption. That's our, you know, that's been our vision of Ferrum since, you know, starting two years ago. Um, it's what we're trying to do in in Africa, and I think it's what we're we're going to ultimately be able to achieve globally uh, with the rollout of Unifier. So yeah, it's um, it's really exciting uh, to be on the cusp of releasing this product. Um, there's like I mentioned a number of features which I'm happy to jump into, but um, I think your question also was about how it ties into the Ferrum ecosystem uh, itself. Uh, one thing people should understand about Kudi and Unifier and all our products, really, is they will be running on the Ferrum network, which is our own um, DAG-based, not a blockchain, it's, it's a DAG, it's another kind of decentralized network um, that is designed for high speeds and um, interoperability. So all the products, all the Ferrum network products we're building now will eventually be migrated onto the main net. And the reason we did it this way, I mean, a lot of projects start with the main net and then build products on top or have other people build products on top. We sort of flip that approach on its head because I think oftentimes, you know, if you build it, if you build a main net, but have no meaningful transactions on it, like, like, let's be honest, the vast majority of main nets out there, I don't think are really being used for much. Um, then that hasn't had, then the main net has no, then the network has no value. So what we want to do is let's build useful products, acquire users and then migrate that product onto the network um, and give and, un, and unlock the uh, value within the network, giving people the option to run transactions on the Ferrum network or keep them on Ethereum or Bitcoin, which is where the products are now. 
So I just wanted to, everyone to understand that there is a blockchain tied into this. There, you know, there is an ecosystem involved. It's not, it's not simply just um, user-facing products. There, there's also a decentralized network uh, behind everything. Absolutely. And you bring up a good point to where I should probably clarify from what I said earlier, as opposed to Ferrum's core mission being banking type solutions to the unbanked. Obviously, you guys are using that platform to better address your true core mission, which is to bring blockchain use case to the worldwide market using emerging markets as both a sandbox and as the most immediate use case to illustrate the vision of Ferrum Network. Would you say that that's more aptly put? That is, that is, that is more, that's more accurate than I've ever said it. <laughs> that was perfectly stated. Yeah, but that's exactly it. I mean, driving mainstream adoption from the end user standpoint. I mean, we're not a, we're not an enterprise blockchain and, you know, that's not our focal point. Our focus is, you know, let's bring this technology into the hands of, of anyone who can benefit from it. And, 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 the best place in the first place we started was emerging markets, but ultimately the vision is worldwide. And and coming back to the Unifier wallet for a moment, um, I wanted to uh, uh, basically hear your points on how the Unifier wallet will uh, disrupt and further progress the state of affairs in the OTC market. Why don't I describe a little, basically the overall vision and then we can hone in on, on the OTC market and, and um, where we fit in there. Um you know, so first and foremost, the Unifier wallet is a non-custodial wallet, uh, meaning the end user controls their private keys and, and they, um, they're custodians of their own money. To us, that is uh, one of the primary value propositions of cryptocurrencies. But due to the technical challenges and the perceived risks of uh, being, you know, your, your own custodian... We haven't really seen non-custodial wallets uh, take off in terms of mainstream adoption. They've mostly been relegated to um, hardcore crypto users. You know, we identified a number of reasons why we think that that is the case, and we're solving that, you know, those with, with the Unifier wallet. One, one, of the, um, one of the primary issues we see with the current state of affairs when it comes to non-custodial wallets is the fact that you are your own last resort. If anything goes wrong, your money is gone. Um, you know, you're writing down your seed phrase. Uh, yeah, God forbid your house burned down. You didn't record things properly. And there's countless stories of people losing insane sums of money because of things going wrong. So we came up with a solution that we think sort of strikes a balance uh, between being your your own custodian, ultimately you still are your own custodian, and yet being able to appeal to a wider audience who isn't really going to be comfortable with being their own last resort, because that's not the case with pretty much all your other accounts. <laughs> with almost all your other accounts, there's you know you can you can go call someone if something goes wrong. And so what we've built is multi layered security into the app, which we have you know obviously we have all the, in the mnemonic phrases and seed phrases you write down. We even have a double seed phrase. Um, for all, for extra security, but we've done something uh, integrating Google Cloud that you can essentially back up uh, half of your uh, keys into Google Cloud. The other half remain on your phone. So neither, um, you know, if you lose your phone, not you know, neither uh, having the Google account or your phone separately is is enough. You need it both together, and 
uh, basically what, what this enables you to do is restore your wallet with uh, two clicks of a button and you've restored your account and you have your money back um, in the event something goes wrong. So again, it's the idea is let's let's simplify this process. Let's remove some of the risk from the end user, but yet still keep everything secure and um, make sure you're still your own custodian of your money. Uh, now, again, this is not the only option. Uh, you, we even have a, a, a double uh, recovery um, or double seed phrase method of security for uh, you know people who are storing larger accounts and want to be extra careful. This is more for you know early uh, or, or new new users who um, want to enjoy the uh, sort of freedom and privacy of a non custodial wallet, but don't necessarily want all that risks all that risk on on themselves. As far as the Unifier wallet goes, uh, how does it remove the counterparty risk from OTC trading? Sure. So another exciting feature we're building into the wallet, it won't be available in version one, but it will be available in subsequent versions, is a peer-to-peer -peer trading platform uh, similar to local Bitcoins, but for Ethereum tokens. And instead of escrow, which is normally how both parties are protected in a peer-to-peer -peer trade, we've actually built a smart contract that protects uh, the counterparties. So in that sense, it is sort of a trustless OTC trade. And, and I'm happy to explain more about the vision of that um, should, you know, should you and your listeners uh, be curious about it. Awesome. I, I, I take it that would get into a little bit more of the Ferrum Infinity decks. Well, no. So this will actually be a function within the Unifier wallet itself. Um, you'll be able to uh, locate buyers and sellers of ERC-20 tokens in your region using your fiat currency, and you can enter into a peer-to-peer -peer trade with them. Now, this is, in my view, actually really breakthrough technology because to date there has been no efforts to recreate um, local Bitcoins or Paxful or any of the other peer-to-peer -peer, um, Bitcoin trading platforms for Ethereum. Um, and so in doing so, I think we're unlocking potentially a huge market. And the fact that it is running on Ethereum means we can avail ourselves of you know, smart contracts and, and other decentralized um, security measures such that we don't have to escrow uh, anyone's funds. Pretty wild. It, it, some things just seem so obvious that you would think that they already exist, but there has to be someone to, to put the uh, rubber to the road, so to speak. And so uh, happy to see you guys are doing that. And that's a, that's a very exciting use case for it. And finally, before moving on from the Unifier wallet, I'd love to hear about your partnership with PeChain and developing a version of the app for China. And just curious what kind of specifications or alternate modifications needed to be made to core version of the app in order to meet the requirements to be introduced to the Chinese market. We inked that partnership with PeChain in order to not just design the app in a way that makes sense for Chinese users, but to actually have sort of a conduit into that market because that, that's a very popular project in China. Now, we have 
haven't begun development on the Chinese version yet because we haven't even launched the English version. Um, so that's going to be down the line. You know, there's a number of exciting partnerships we have entered into to help promote Unifier Wallet and that also provide uh, utility for our token. I mean, that has to do with community listings that we're doing, which which I'm happy to, to explain as well. I think your users will probably be interested to hear it. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I just took a look at the clock on this and I feel like we've almost barely scratched the surface for all that we could discuss. And I want to be respectful of your time and, and listeners' time as well. So I want to make sure that we hit the points of value necessary to really have the uh, big bites for this interview. You touch on the utility of the Ferrum token, and I'd love to get into that as well as any other projects like the Subzero Wallet and the Infinity Dex that you guys have coming down the pipeline. Definitely want to hit on the utility of the FRM token. Yeah, sure. So that actually ties into another core feature of the wallet that I hadn't yet described, and that is something we've, we're calling link drops. Um, this is basically the ability to send crypto to anyone over any medium using a link. You know, one of the other problems we identified in the non-custodial wallet, really any wallet, <laughs> um, is you cannot send crypto to anyone who doesn't already have a wallet. So just think about that. That means we can't readily reach people outside of, you know, the echo chamber, so to speak. We built this feature that makes it extremely easy to essentially copy and paste a link that effectively contains cryptocurrency uh, and, and you can post it anywhere. So I can send you a crypto link on Telegram, Twitter, Facebook, WeChat, WhatsApp, email, SMS, wherever, and all the recipient has to do is click. It takes them to download the wallet. Both sides do a quick check to make sure that it's this it's that you sent to the proper party. Um, and then the track transaction submitted to the Ethereum network goes on chain and, and you get your money within you know a minute or two or less. And so what this does is this allows you to send money, this allows you to send money, this allows you to send crypto to people who don't already have wallets, which to me is a huge deal. Yeah, that's awesome. And like you said, you know, being able to organically reach people outside of the existing echo chamber is, you know, dramatically important to the core cause of of expanding uh, users on the network. Um, so that's uh, incredible. <laughs> on behalf of a crypto enthusiast, congratulations. Like, that's pretty awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we've been uh, testing it for the past month, uh, just sending crypto links to each other over Telegram and stuff. And it's, I'm telling you, man, it is a lot of fun too. Uh, I'll find you on Twitter after this and I'll send you a link and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's it's pretty it's pretty awesome stuff. Right on, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked about that. Um, and, and you say that that um, uh, feeds back into the core functionality of the FRM uh, token. Yes. Yeah, so um, another one of our strengths as Ferrum is our community. And, uh, you know, in thinking about building a mobile wall that's that's unique and different and valuable, we wanted to leverage that that strength of our community. So we've come up with a system that basically ties the link drops, the community and utility for the Ferrum token into, into one sort of ecosystem. And that is basically so we do uh, what are what we call community listings on the wallet. We pull the community. Okay, you know, what what ERC20 token do you want to list? Okay, everyone takes a vote. So and so project wins. Okay, we list that token. 
whoever is holding 100,000 or more ferrum in their wallet, which is about $1,000 worth, is entitled to a link drop of that listed token. So for instance, we did um, our, our first community poll a few weeks back. Uh, Veracity won, but Chainlink came in close second. So what we did is we said, we announced, we're going to list Veracity, we're going to list Chainlink. And you know anyone who's holding a thousand or more or a hundred thousand or more ferrum in their wallet, we're going to link drop. It could be a couple bucks, could be five, ten bucks. It depends on how much, how many people are holding that much ferrum. And we'll send it right to your email, the email account that you registered with the uh, with the app. We can send you a link drop right to your email. We don't even need your wallet address. That's so cool. Giving ferrum some additional utility, you know, getting some excitement, get the community involved you know, work with other projects, like working with Chainlink, working with Veracity, um, other projects we have in the pipeline. Um, It sort of ties this everything together. It's sort of an exciting marketing and community and utility and all that fun stuff. So uh, yeah, we're we're excited to to continue to roll roll out announcements um, on the community listing front. Absolutely. In addition to other incentives for holding FRM, so there's you have a staking program, uh, it, and I want to make sure that this is still up to date with platinum staking and and gold staking rewards programs. And also, as of my understanding, you are burning the FRM tokens used to power Kudi, Unifier, um, what will be Infinity Dex, and so on. Is that uh, still correct? Yes. Yeah, so when the mainnet comes out, uh, in order to run transactions on the network, a user will need to spend a small amount of ferrum, similar to how you spend, you know, Ethereum gas. But instead of that going back to miners, a portion of it will actually be burned as a as a proof to proof to the network. Um, so that hasn't actually been rolled out yet because we haven't built the mainnet yet. We're focusing on the on the products first. But when the mainnet comes, that's that will be how it works. And in terms of the staking, yes, we uh, have built our own smart contract based staking that works with any ERC20 token actually. We've run we run two staking rounds for the Ferrum token. Uh, just web-based staking is or you basically uh, uh, connect your MetaMask to our staking contract and you do a couple steps and you stake tokens and you you essentially it's decentralized bank account with high interest. But we're going to be launching a third staking round, but this time it'll be through the Unifier wallet. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know when that's coming out. We have so many things in the pipeline. Um, the uh, roadmap is uh, planning, you know, first we plan to obviously we need to release Unifier Wallet in beta, which hopefully it's going to be submitted to the App Store any day now. Then we're going to re- launch the peer-to-peer trading that I talked about. And then potentially the version after that will will have another round of staking in the wallet. So there's a lot of directions we can go. It really depends on what the community and the users want. But um, yeah, I'm really just excited for what the future holds. Awesome, man. And, and I feel like that brings us kind of to an organic uh, a point to kind of uh, take one last uh, look at the horizon uh, before we have final thoughts. And on the horizon of the Ferrum network, you know, you mentioned, you know, obviously a, a, a few milestones and few, you know, core objectives uh, that you're excited about rolling out. But, you know, are, are there any other highlights? You know, we, we didn't even touch on the Sub-Zero wallet or uh, much on the Infinity Dex, but, you know, any core roadmap objectives, you know, or other kind of a movement for the project 
that you really want to key in on uh, our listeners' radars? Yeah, I'll just uh, leave you with a quick uh, description of Sub-Zero Wallet because I think it's a really important product for not just our ecosystem, but the crypto markets as a whole. Um, Sub-Zero Wallet is uh, a cold storage app. Um, It's not a cold storage thumb drive uh, like, you know, Treasure or Ledger. It's actually an app that you download onto an Android phone. Then you disconnect that phone from uh, the internet. You remove the SIM card. So it's completely offline. Um, And then it interacts with your hot wallet through QR codes. And why, you know, why why we want to build this is uh, really sort of ties back to our early discussion of emerging markets and our, our users in Africa. You know, there is no really viable option for people in emerging markets in terms of cold storage. Ledger is expensive and doesn't ship everywhere. Same with Treasure, same with a lot of these other ones. Um, and so we really want to democratize cold storage because we think it's it's actually a critical piece of, you know, if you're in, if you're in crypto and if you're the custodian of your own money, you should have access to cold storage. So what the, what the Sub-Zero wallet does is basically allows you to turn an, Andro- an old Android phone, which you can buy for 5 or $10, anyone can around the world, and turn that into a cold storage device. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're excited about that. It's going to be coming. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to be coming. It's going to be coming in, who knows, six months or so from now. But, um, you know, you stick around with Therum and um, we're, we're building all kinds of cool, interesting, valuable things. So, um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to get excited about as we go. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember uh, doing this right up uh, however many uh, weeks or a couple months ago and just getting so excited about that Sub-Zero wallet because I will definitely be one of your first users on that. Um, I think it is a long time coming, you know, that kind of technology. And um, there are going to be many uh, crypto enthusiasts who um, are going to be chomping at the bit to get a hold of that. So I'm really excited about that. Ian, as, as we are keen to do here, I wanted to give you the opportunity to leave our listeners with uh, any kind of closing remarks that you have or or anything that you'd like to um, keep them thinking on. Could be pertinent to Ferrum Network, could be any other sidebar musings or, or basically anything that you want to uh, uh, make sure they hear. You know, I would just say for any of the listeners who are interested in jumping ship from their current careers and taking a leap and getting into blockchain, um, you know, from a guy who was a lawyer only a few years ago and is now part of something really exciting and a team that is just tremendous and a community that's amazing, um, take that leap. You know, uh, the risk is well worth it. There's no better time than now to follow your dreams. So uh, for anyone out there who's considering, you know, moving into the blockchain space from a professional standpoint, I wholeheartedly encourage it. And if anyone wants advice from me, um, you can definitely find me on Twitter, Telegram, wherever. I'm happy to um, impart my wisdom for whatever it's worth. Uh, thank you so much for that. And uh, following up on that, where uh, are the best addresses for our listeners to reach you on Twitter or otherwise? Sure. So um, it's at Ferrum Network. And then we have a new Twitter for the Unifier Wallet. It's at Unifier Wallet. Um, I'm at iFriend05. That's my handle across Twitter and Telegram and pretty much everywhere. Uh, So, you know, I'm an open book. I'm always around. If people ever want to reach out, contact me for whatever reason, I'm happy to hear from you guys. Well, I got to say, Ian, this has been an incredible pleasure. And you've you've been a treasure trove of 
uh, information, you know, philosophy and, and otherwise. And, and it's just been an awesome time to have you on, man. I really appreciate you coming. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to come back anytime. Right on, man. Thank you. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining this episode of The Nest Show. We invite you to connect with our guest on Twitter, where Ian can be found at ifriend05. Ferrum is at ferrum.network. And I am at benjamint1717. Once again, we want to thank our official sponsor, Prime XBT. And while we look forward to having members from the Prime XBT team here on the show, I encourage listeners to check them out at theburbnest.com slash primexbt and see just what we're so excited about. If you've appreciated the depth and breadth of what you've heard with us today, subscribe to our podcast and find our landing page at theburbnest.com. We have a vibrant Discord community which acts as our central hub of operations, and we welcome you to join us at thebirdnest.com discord. We also offer an extensive free bulletin on emerging crypto market trends, exclusive undervalued gem reports, and in-depth expert technical and fundamental analysis at thebirdnest.com bulletin. We always appreciate engagement from our community, which of course means liking the video and subscribing to our page, where we insist on bringing you the highest quality content available. Also, we're happy to incorporate tips and topics from our listeners and encourage you to email us at thenestshow at thebirdnest.com. This podcast is brought to you by The Burb Nest. Thank you and trade on. (laughs) 